it's just the longest drum solo I've ever heard. It's just, uh, it just keeps on going and you yeah. just like, when is this gonna end? But also like, I can't believe this is still going. Yep, yep. And then they hit you with that. they bring it. I was just like, oh, the first time I heard that, I was like, wow, that was probably the best drum solo I've ever heard. It's like the song was meant for John Bonham to solo. It's like, we're gonna write a song for you and then just solo the shit out of it. And then we'll come back and end it. Hello individual, Joey Twasson here. Thanks for dropping by. If you're new here, this is a podcast where we sit down with people who utilize what makes them unique to create value for others. Today, I'm joined by Faisal Tambusala, but I like to call him Mr. Flow. He's the drummer of the groovy band Basically Saturday Night, which has become the favorite of many music lovers here in the Philippines. He's also a certified fitness instructor specializing in the growing field of animal flow and rope flow. He's definitely a guy who moves to the beat of his own drum, and I'm sure that there's a lot that we can all learn from him. In this episode, we talk about achieving a flow state of mind, his experiences being in a band that is constantly evolving and experimenting, fear of becoming a jack-of-all-trades and master of none, and a whole lot more. Hope you enjoyed the show. Fi, how you doing, my man? What up, Joey? Hey, Thanks man. for being on the show. Thank you, um, man. I just want to say, first of all, that you know, you've utilized your unique combination of knowledge for flow and rhythm to create value for a lot of people, whether it be through your music, animal flow, rope flow. And I'm really excited to have you on, man. Dude, I'm so excited to be here, man. Thank you so yeah. much for the invite. And yo, I just got this guy, Shelly. Dude, thank you. Thank you, thank you for this Thanks. and the whole setup. Yo, this is dope. Uh, yeah, you were the yeah. first person who uh, is trying out our pod box. So thank you for that. All right, cool. cool. Fantastic. Yeah. So I wanted to start off with um, your music first. Uh, first of all, you guys are a fantastic band. Uh, Miggy's got a powerful, unique voice. Juno is extremely versatile and really gets giggle with that guitar. Um, Arvin Dale, your bass player, yeah. adds that very jazzy element and always has that big smile on his face when he's performing. And Jai adds that keyboard flavor. And his solo on Chemical Love is probably like my top three favorite keyboard solos. Yeah. Um, but today we have the glue that holds it all together. The backbone oh. of the band, uh, Mr. Faisal. So Fai, my question for you is, when did you first pick up the drumsticks and what sort of drew you to it? All right, man. So music and drumming is uh, really special to me because uh, more than, yeah, more than anything, it's family. It's family, friendship, and uh, genuine bonding. So I grew up in, really gratefully, I grew up in a family musician. So my mom and her siblings, uh, they had a band back in the day. And they would tour Asia, so cover band. Really? You know? Yeah. Oh, cover band. Okay. Cover band. So that's how my mom met my dad in Indonesia. So long story oh, short, cool. I grew up in a family of musicians. I really appreciated family karaoke, family jams, and all of that. So um, I picked up instruments early. Um, piano was my very first one. But there was always something about the drums that I liked. And I think it's because I had a Tito and my cousin played it. So I always saw them playing it. I'm like, wow, it looks so much fun. And then believe it or not, um, 
very first teacher was Percussion Freaks of Time Zone. So <laughs> the drum game in yeah. Time Zone. Shout out to that if you guys know that drum game. So that taught yeah. me. Because I just you, were, go- you were that kid who would just hog the, the drum set for like three hours. Right after school, <laughs> straight after school, I go to perco- I go to time zone percussion freaks. I'm there for hours, so I started with that, and then I'd go to my cousin's house to uh, pick up some you know real drumming. So I'd I'd study with him, my tito, and it was so much fun. And eventually yeah. formed my first band with you might guess Mickey G, my very first band in grade four. So that's how it happened. I grade four, grade four, wow. very first band. Yeah, yeah. So. Is this um, Asylum? Not even or yet, no? man. Not even yet. So, so even before Asylum, and we'll get to that. We'll get to that. There was a grade four band? Grade four band, man. Grade Damn. four band. Yeah. What was just, the what was the band? So oh man, the name is the name is a little bit funny, but so in Southridge we have this thing called the B-I-D-O-R-Y, Bidori list. So it means boys in danger of repeating the year. So it's like if, if you're not doing so well, if you're not oh doing so well, if you're not doing so well, you're in the Bidori list. And we were just like, yo, what if we're the boys in danger of rocking you? Uh, <laughs> rock, oh yo. my was, god. Yeah, no, it was fun. Grade school stuff, you know, we just wanted to cover pretty much covered our, our OPM idols. So uh kamikaze songs, bamboo songs, um right. orange and lemons. Yeah, OPM idols, man. So that was really fun. That's how it started. And it's interesting how you guys as a grade four band were covering the OPM songs though. You know, because usually like, you know, you're growing up, you hear the international music, like you kind of want to copy that. So what, why do you think you guys like focus on the on the OPM stuff and at an early age too? Yeah, honestly, it came out naturally. And I think that's that's mostly from our influences. So uh, I grew up with my cousins a lot. They listened to OPM and uh, so did Miggy, um, his influence of his cousins and his family. Um, he he's the one actually who showed me to a lot of OPM, but even OPM that's like old OPM, you know, like yeah, like the crooners of 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 legendary the guys Philippine who started OPM. it all. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. but uh, at least in that time, uh, we were also exposed to mix the channel and every before school, right. in the, like in the morning, we watched that, so we get exposed to OPM. So uh, that was yeah. cool. That was something that we enjoyed. That was something we enjoyed. And that yeah. the early two thousand days, especially, I was watching some of those mix videos where they just have a giant ass crowd and they're it's just like a one big mosh pit you know what i mean they're just bumping each other like that was such a wild time like the early 2000s yeah such a wild time (laughs) filipino rock and and opium in general super dude yeah yeah so so from the bidori kids (laughs) the bidori bidori yeah, Dory that was band. a band. Yeah, yeah. You guys um, shifted and you became a metal band uh, in yeah, high school, right? Yeah. Called Asylum. We became Asylum. Uh, can you take me back to that time for a second? Sure, sure. So um, from Bedori, so our influence was really just rock. So we love to cover OPM, but we'd also jam rock songs. So I think we are we'd attribute that to, you know, the rise of Guitar Hero and like just... Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, just hearing all these rock songs, School of Rock even, just being exposed to like, whoa, what are these rock songs, right? So we'd cover Smoke in the Water, Iron Man, all those stuff. But that helped us. That kind of gave the foundation to explore like, okay, what are other types of rock, you know? And then we started discovering Mm. like like metal and a bit of the heavier alternative, you know, Incubus came along and then 
started looking at stuff like like Slipknot and a bit of um, oh, emo. Slipknot's intense. I know. And R- by the way, with R- their masks and everything. Yeah. yeah. R.I.P. Joey Jordison. He's the drummer. But I gotta thank that guy, man. He he passed recently. I think like yesterday. Oh, that wow. guy, yeah, big influence in my life. So just yeah, just um, giving my words of peace to him. But yeah, um, we got to explore a lot of rock, and that's how Asylum was born. We just wanted to cover like. Um, Rage Against the Machine, you know, stuff like that, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers. And then for some reason, we were like, yo, Miggy, you can, you can, you can do some, you can scream, dude. We were so shocked. <laughs> we were so shocked. We were like, whoa, how can, how do you do that? So we use that as like an advantage that we can cover certain songs because, yeah, you know, Miggy had this that. This would be like in a band, like, like in, uh, you know, events in school, like you guys yeah. would perform and stuff like that? Yeah, we'd perform in school. We'd try to join Battle of the Bands, the ones that AC yeah. would hold, you know, high school Battle of the Bands. And yeah, it was just really a lot of fun for us. And at the same time, we got to cover songs that we really, really liked. We actually really yeah. enjoyed doing that. So, and Do you think that uh, being a screamo band sort of established intensity and the foundation for basically Saturday night. Do you see that carrying over a little bit? Definitely, definitely. The energy, the intensity, and sometimes even like, you know, the way we would structure certain chords or certain elements. We still have that heaviness that yeah. sometimes we really crave. Like we just want to be heavy and turn up the distortion and everything. But we're like, oh, no, 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 no. We, hold back because you know now it's a bit more of the the groove and uh you know make it make people dance so um, yeah yeah it, it evolved to that because you guys uh you graduated high school basically right and then you sort of came back together came and back together. decided and you know you developed and explored individually your musical tastes right exactly. and then during college right you guys came back together and you were almost Named fruit salad, <laughs> you guys and your band name. So, <laughs> yeah, because man. of all the new genres that you were blending in. Exactly. Right? So, what what was it like um, as the drummer? You know, knowing that your role is to provide the beat and rhythm to serve the genre. To now be in a situation where the genres were mixed up all the time. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a lot. I had to do a lot of like stepping back, and. Uh, I sought a lot of mentorship, so I wasn't. I I, I went to teachers, and at the same yeah. time, you know, Doctor YouTube. Very lucky we got all the resources. So, what I realized was, as a metal drummer, as having that background, I was always so gigil. I just mm. wanted to bang out my drums, and in fact, there were days when you know my my mom, my my own family would be like, oh. Here they go again. You know, it's kind of like that. Here they go. Here's here's the metal band. But I mean, nowadays they appreciate the music more. And I think I think that was the kind of maturity step that I had to take, that I had to understand. And it took me a while, like to really understand from different mentors and different people. Is is really just the musicality of 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 things. So no matter what mm. genre, as a drummer, I just had to understand. Like if I'm providing that beat, that rhythm, that groove, what is the musicality of this certain genre? Like what 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 does it call for? Like what kind of 
what kind of drum beat will it call for or execution and how I play. So I started to develop that. It took a while. Um, yeah. I didn't have it. I'm still learning it, you know, but uh, I'd like to think that I started to to put more intention and understanding it in 2017 when the band yeah. formed because, yeah, just of the different genres that came along. So so what, what's the difference? Well, obviously, it's more intense for metal drumming compared to like what you guys do now but on a more technical level i mean i'm not a musician i don't know jack shit honestly yeah yeah for people like me can you explain that sort of transition to now you know very groovy very funky has that jazzy element to it as well very dancey as you mentioned um what what how 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 is that shift like technically wise for you right so technically rock metal songs they're still very deep on a technical aspect the technical level mm-hmm. but the tendency especially as a young musician back in the day the tendency is you get so lost in the the emotion of the song and the the heaviness the expression so sometimes yeah. the musicality can take a it ends up taking the back seat so you're just like oh you want to bang it out head bang and just you know, at least as a young musician. But I understand nowadays there are many, many really good, um, very musical metal metal bands out there, right? But as I matured, yeah. I got to understand that, okay, it's it's not all about that because um, different songs have different emotions and then different songs have different feels. So I started to understand, like, you know, the concepts behind serving the song. So back in the day, it wasn't right. really about serving the song. It was like, yo, Miggy, are you ready? We're going we're gonna <laughs> to tear the shit up, man. You know, it's like, yeah, oh, yeah. we just want to like really, you know, bang it, let out. it out. Yeah, yeah, let it out. But now like a it's, punching bag almost. Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, it was fun. It was fun. No regrets whatsoever. But yeah, as I matured uh, as a musician, and I also observed this amongst um, the musicians around me. I'm, I'm so grateful that they're the same guys I grew up with because... It was so cool witnessing everyone just take that extra step like, okay, now we're exploring other genres. What does it mean now to serve this this type of song? If it's like a blues yeah. song or if it's like um, more of that dancey song, like what, what can we do? So if we want to yeah. see people dance as a drummer, I really got to give that dancey beat. And as mm. much as possible, just keep it simple because people want to dance. The last thing they want to hear is like, I don't know, like a drum solo because they want to dance. They don't need to hear a drum yeah. solo. Or if, if for example, you know, as, as you guys know, Miggy, Miggy's amazing, beautiful voice. Sometimes I got to take the backseat and really just just keep it low, play low and, and just give that simple foundational beat that won't get in the way because Miggy's singing. Yeah. And that's, that's his time. So there, it's those nuances that that i got to appreciate and start to apply in my own practice that was really cool to experience that's really cool though because like yeah you have to adjust the volume of the drumming too i didn't even realize that yeah, <laughs> like yeah. um like and there are moments you know where you know and you as a band you just have so many transitions within your songs too yeah like very creative with your transitions and like your the structure of your songs um, and I see like you have a lot of influence from, you know, a lot of the rock bands, maybe Zeppelin as yep. well, you know, the way like they do all their transitions. Um, so it's really fascinating to see how your sounds evolve. And you guys also started writing your own music too, right? So yep. you guys were cover bands. You started off with the OPM and then you did the heavy metal. But then now it's like that movie. Um, have you watched Nowhere Boy? No, I have not. Oh, it, 
you should watch it. Um, I'm a big Beatles fan, as you can see. Oh, but it's okay. the story of uh, John Lennon when he's in his teenage years. You oh know? man, all right. And yo, know, he meets Paul McCartney, and he, they meet George, and it's like the uh, assembling of the Beatles. But before awesome. they were called the Quarrymen, and there's a scene there where like Paul McCartney is like talking to John, and it was kind of like the same thing where they were doing a lot of covers before. They were doing like Elvis covers or. You know, Buddy Holly covers and all that. But he said, you know, if we want to be big, we got to write our own stuff, you know? You know? <laughs> so that's that's when the shift happened. And, yeah. and they showed a lot of other musicians that, hey, you know, you can just write your own stuff. And uh, how how is that songwriting uh, process for you guys? Because I know like Junoy and uh, Miggy are the ones who sort of do most of the writing. Is that right? Yes. But h- how is that collaboration? H- how does that go for you guys? Right. So what usually happens is actually this is somewhat re- this is very much related to how the band name came along. So it's because every Saturday night we would come together to jam, you know, and mm-hmm. we would just jam. Jam jam jam. But, you experimenting. know, experimenting. Yeah, experiment, but Miggy would come in and be like, hey guys, I have these lyrics. So it starts off, usually starts off there. Oh, okay. And then Juno would come in and be like, oh, I have these chords. You know, so he'll play that. And then Miggy will kind of start to see, will my lyrics fit in with the chords? And so yeah, the they like to start the songwriting process, whether it's Miggy or Juno who who kind of have this this uh like a framework for a song, or sometimes Miggy will just have lyrics. And then he'll bring mm-hmm. it in, and then we'll we'll brainstorm. But it starts off with them, and then I usually just, yeah, I try to think what beat would work well for this, and then we like to cook things up together. Like yeah. that's why so we, it's really that session, the sesh, that's the sesh. Yeah, we call because you really need that energy. To yeah, go back and yeah, forth. absolutely. We call my um, so we rehearse at my music room. We call it the lab because that's where the experiments yeah. happen. <laughs> That's why, yeah, well, you'll see some like like we call it live at the lab or like recorded at the lab, yeah. So we get we get together, we hang out. Sometimes we have drinks, sometimes not. You know, just get different sources of get a lot of input. We'll watch stuff together. We'll listen to stuff together. You know, sometimes there won't be anything. Sometimes someone will have something. Yeah, it's really just all. Yeah. Putting whatever we and got. you just sort of go back to it another lab session like you just sort of start the experiment and then maybe a couple of days you let it breathe you you, yeah. you you sleep on it and then maybe somebody will think of something exactly and then you come back to the lab and then you pound it out again but how how long does it usually take for like a song to you know go through that process and right. it be sort of a finished product or is it different for songs depending on yeah. the complexity and all that most most of the times different per song yeah some songs whoa like really that's done like that went by quick like <laughs> like we you know just those moments those magic moments where we're really in flow together and everyone's just having a good time and then boom sometimes we'll have one session but a lot of times yeah, yeah we'll we'll really put more intention in it especially in our in our so in our older stuff there was a bit more of that 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 we were just so free. We were just, we just wanted to write and express and whatever it was, boom, that's it. So now as, as we're, you know, I guess exploring more music and maturing a bit more musician as musicians, our songwriting, we're just putting a bit more intention now. 
especially mm-hmm. especially in terms of the message we're trying to put out or the feel. So that's very important to us because, uh, yeah, that's a lot of the songs and influences we have. It's like if th- those songs give us that feeling, we want those same feelings to be able to... We want to give those same feelings to our audience. So. Yeah. And you guys are um, are growing individually as well. So for sure you want to try out some new things, you know. But do you think that... Because this has obviously been the longest you've been apart since Long probably the, your high school break, you know. Yeah. Uh, from high school to college. So do you think that this break from each other will sort of bring back that new life? Kind of like how you created basically Saturday Night from Asylum. Or has the separation sort of done more damage to you guys creatively? Right. Well, I cannot deny that it has done some damage. And um, personally, I, I think I entered into a creative rut and musical rut. I It was tough for me, you know, the pandemic. like Because like what I said, we, we feed off each other's energy. So we really got to, you know, basically Saturday night. We come together on Saturday nights. We hang out. We jam. We write music. So... When we shifted to this online thing, it was really tough, and yeah. um, it became it became a hindrance, an obstacle, definitely. But uh, as what you mentioned, I think this time apart, we're doing our own things. Also, apart from music, so we're really getting inspiration from many places and musically as well. For example, um, Junoy has started a side project, a solo project. So that's really, really cool. I heard I, it. It's really wow, good. Amazing. Um, yeah. The story of Quincy Jones is my favorite. Yeah. If you guys yep. haven't checked it out yet, Tarantism. Did I yes. say it right? Tarantism um, by Junoy Manalo. Fantastic. Fantastic few songs there. And amazing. It's his first one. It's, it's that's his first one. To, yeah. Definitely. Started with a bang. You know? I know. So cool, man. So really, really happy for him. And I'm really excited to yeah, yeah, reunite because I can't wait to hear like like how that went, how that went, his production process and everything. So very soon I, I can really feel it. We're uh, we're about to get back together and like you know do stuff again. It was just it was a bit tough at the start with the momentum. We tried to do online stuff. It worked out. We have some vids, check them out on YouTube if you can. And you know, we really enjoyed those, but there's something about like, you know, just the regular being with each other all the time yeah. and like writing stuff, playing the shows, feeding off each other's energy and the crowd. So however, we're, guys- we're trying to move past that, you know, we're, we're trying to see, I'm sure we like, like our label said, we, we can still do things, you know, we can still maximize this time and we believe in it. So mm. in a matter of time. And even when you guys um, perform live, it's, Totally different. I've only had the chance to catch you guys twice, I think. Um, one of them was the Halloween one where you were Cal Drogo. Ah, you were there! <laughs> yeah. You were Cal Drogo. And the best though was Jai with Loki. He really looked like Loki. Hands you know, down. Like, he nailed wow. it. He nailed it. Yeah, You man. guys really rocked that um, session. And Thank you. I just remember looking around um, the room and I was just like, I was like, wow, this is amazing because basically Saturday Night is like one of the few bands out there or just, you know, I guess with the genre of music as well. It was so refreshing to not see girls twerk. You know what I mean? Because like, it's just like, I'm not against the twerk, but I'm a little tired of it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like yeah, yeah. choose a different dance move, women, please. But the your music, it's groovy, you know, People dance very classy, you know, yeah. they go with the beat. Obviously, they match it. Um, so it just adds a different 
element. It was just like, it felt like I was in a different country, you know? Like, in fact, whenever I share your music to people and they're like, oh, this is really good. I'm like, yeah, they're from here. Their reaction, their first reaction is, they're from here? <laughs> you know, like, it, it's just like you guys are sort of um, out of well, not out of this country, you know? Like, yeah, it, yeah. you seem like an international band, but you are very local. In fact, you do have that OPM background, which which I'll get yeah. to in a second. But before we get to that, I want to talk about the lab more. Um, sure. So when you guys are in the lab, how do you create that culture of, you know, honest feedback while maintaining the spirit of experimenting? You know? Right, right. So very grateful, very thankful that we have the Boogie Crew. So Boogie Crew is, it started off with our really, really close friends and they are our foundational support. They're the best support crew and the most loving dudes and dudettes. They're so awesome because they're always invited to the lab, at least pre-pandemic. It's like, it's a given. You guys can come. And they don't even yeah. tell me that. They just come when there's a rehearsal and they give the best feedback and they help us have that kind of environment where we're super open to each other because, uh, yeah, it becomes a conversation. Like sometimes they'll just be like, oh, that, that's awesome. And then, why don't you try this? Why don't you try that? So it becomes this kind of like open environment where everyone's expressing, giving good feedback. So yeah, that's, it. that's we're that's super really thankful. Cool. Yeah. That's like a brain trust. You know, um, I got really into this term called, well, this sort of practice called design thinking mm. when I was in college. And they really talk about, you know, the design process and you come up with a prototype and you have to show it to people. You have mm. to see what they think. You, you know, you can't just be in the lab unless you're like the Beatles. <laughs> you can't just be in the lab and just come out with the next you know, big <laughs> thing. It's always good to have that brain trust, whether it be yeah. in any field, I think, like business, uh, your personal life, but especially creative creatively you know and and for them to be there physically not like a here's a link bro uh, yeah. let me know what you think for them to be there at your house physically and experience it with you and give you feedback on the spot no wonder why you guys like you got you guys really have an edge yeah yeah with, with the boogie crew the boogie crew man so and even if like you know of course they're not always in every rehearsal but that culture that that environment was just nurtured and it kept on going so it was really cool and up to now, we, we're very honest with feedback. So uh, we really try to keep it that way because we have a lot of different tastes, a lot of different influences. And, you know, it's just always nice to have that collective input coming yeah. together. Yeah. And it's really cool that you guys started off with, um, you know, the jam culture. I think that's really important, you know. Um, kind of, You guys, I think, have the potential to kind of be like, the Filipino Stilly Dan. Yeah. Because you know how they, what made them special was they just, they had a bunch of musical yeah, freelancers, right? I think, I don't know if it was Steely or Dan who was only in like the first album and then the rest of them, he was just, you know, sort of orchestrating it from yeah, afar. Yeah. Oh, in close, but he was just orchestrating it, you know? He was. You yeah. guys, I think, have a potential to, I mean, you already collaborated with a bunch of people, right? Over, over the, you, you have people jam with you a lot, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, th yo, thank so you. Yeah. Man. Those are awesome words, man. Steely Dan. <laughs> they, they're a good influence. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They're a great influence. Yeah, Steely Dan's fantastic, man. Really Whoa. fantastic. Dude. So, roughly how many Saturday nights do you think? Because you, you, you started playing in the lab. Um, you started jamming with the Boogie Crew. 
which wasn't then yet the Boogie Crew yet. Um, but how many Saturday nights do you guys how, did, did you put in before you <laughs> had your first gig? Yeah. Right before our first gig. Oh wow! So this actually it happened quite fast in the sense that so a lot of Saturday nights, but it happened in a span of Jan, Feb, March, April, May. Five months. It happened in five months because we really started jamming January of 2019, and mm. then oh sorry no 2017, and then from May was her first gig. So Saturday nights from then, I still I I that was in my last semester, so I couldn't meet all every Saturday, but we tried mm. as much as possible, and. Yeah, man. Probably like 20 to 30. But it was mostly all jamming, you know. And we didn't even know that... Like the first gig that we had, we were just like, whoa, is this our first gig? Like, it was kind of like yeah. that. Like, So we're, we're, we're official now, huh? Like, like it was kind of like that. It was like, we just wanted to bring the jam to... Because we organized our first gig. It was, it was in Maggie's Place. And we kind of wanted our own kind of like mini malice symbol, you know. So we had two. St- oh, nice. We had two stages. One is for DJs, and one is for a for a band setup. So it was in Miggy's farm, beautiful place, and it more looked like a jungle actually. So it really had that <laughs> vibe. DJs were playing, some bands were playing. So that was our first gig in 2017, and wow. that's a great first gig. <laughs> it was. It's a great way to start it off. It was so fun because we were playing for the Boogie Crew. So it was just like bringing the lab out into a jungle in Batangas. And then, uh, of course, like we invited a, a few more friends. But they, they're Boogie Crew too, man. Because that was that was just, yeah, that was just memorable. Our first gig. But publicly, though, happened in July pa. Our first public gig. So from May to July. We still kept practicing. Mga private, ano lang. And this is like bars in Makati. Yeah, the pra- the public bar started in July. So roughly one, roughly like seven months of just meeting, trying to meet up every Saturday. And then yeah. it, it became that's official. That's good. So it was just like consistent five months. Let's bang this out. And then you, well, obviously your friends acknowledged, the Boogie Crew acknowledged that you guys were good. And I think it was a smart move to organize your own first gig. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, yeah. And then yeah. it's really set up, you know, it's like a launch almost of a yeah. product or, or a service. It you was know? Like, I think yeah. that that's good way to launch it because that, that will stick in, you know, in, their, in people's heads. So, yeah. fantastic. So I want to talk to you about um, the sort of push and pull that you've kind of had in the Philippine music industry push and pull between solo artists and bands. So in my opinion, I'm just a little biased. The music industry in the Philippines is at its best when bands are at the forefront. And we were talking about it earlier. The golden age of Pinoy music was the 70s. You know, that Mm. OPM was the golden age. You had the Boyfriends, you had Hot Dog, Mm. BST and Company, Apple Hiking Society, Juan de la Cruz Band, and the list goes on. Then in the 80s, it shifted to solo artists and then in the 90s and early 2000s like we talked about with those giant mixed concert mosh pits mm. it shifted back to bands and it was interesting that time too because you had like heavy metal and rap you know it was just a very cool blend of uh, Filipino music then it shifted back to solo artists again and you know 
everybody knows in the early 2010s, everybody wanted to be a DJ. Yeah. But I'd say you guys, along with Four of Spades, uh, brought back that groove and funk of the 70s golden era of OPM and made it your own, obviously. Um, My question is, do you think these next couple of years will be the next wave of Filipino bands again? Absolutely. I believe in that. And, you know, from the years of... Like, I'm still very new in the music industry. I, I only start becoming really active. Because 2017, when we were born, there wasn't we didn't even have too many gigs yet. So I, I think 2018. So 2018, 19, pretty much two years, two to three years of actively gigging. And wow, man, all these bands. I mean, I'm sure we've heard of the big names like Ben and Ben, Four of Spades. And, you know, all these uh, December Avenue, all these other bands. But we even these these other guys who aren't so known, man, that like we got exposed to them because we'd be on the same same bill as them or in the, play in the same venue. And, wow, the music now is just amazing. And the passion for it. And all the musicians who are like, yeah, they're really honing their crafts. And it's just so, it was really inspiring. So I, I think definitely it's the next wave. But... You know, of course, with the pandemic, there's it's there's some there's some struggle now, and yeah. um, well, you can't come together as a band. <laughs> yeah, and but, and you know, not everyone might actually. A lot of people probably have a hard creatively. It's a it's tough. You know, it's challenging. Yeah. So, so maybe after all but, of this, there's like a yeah something. It's but, so refreshing to see bands again because you know I think I, I was scrolling through one of the comment sections of your live videos and somebody commented that was just like oh yeah this is spot on and she or he was like um there's just too many who got songs out there <laughs> you know like like there are too many who got songs in the filipino music industry and like your sound and i'm sure a lot of the people the new guns coming up that you mentioned um it's just refreshing and i think because filipinos we have that barcada culture, you know, a band is like a barcada almost. So when you create that barcada, it's like people want to be, oh, I want to be part of that barcada. You know, yeah. it's like I'm a VST and company dude, or I'm a, I'm a boogie crew. Yeah, uh, you know? boogie crew. With a solo artist, it's like you have to just like that one person. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I mean, there is a market for the who got stuff too. Don't there get is. me wrong. Yeah. And some of the stuff's actually really, really good. Yeah. But I think that it's just better when bands are at the forefront of, of the Filipino music industry. And thank you for doing your part and bringing that back. You know, do you think though that, uh, cause you, you mentioned that you were covering a lot of the OPMs um, when you're in grade four. Um, th- did any of those bands that I mentioned like in the seventies, were they one of the, the bands that you covered or got inspiration from? Definitely VST man. VST is one of them. And we would jam some, we would jam some hot dog. Well, Manila, you know that song, some yeah. of the old hits, man. So, yeah, those those definitely inspired us. But more so now, actually, because the old OPM, the Grade Four OPM that we'd listen to, were more like Orange and Lemons, Kamikaze. Those oh guys. yeah, you were more the early two thousands. Bamboo, yeah. yeah, yeah. So only recently I started discovering like. Like I, and I thank Miggy for that because he really showed me like, oh, look at all these old OPM songs. So now we try to listen to that sound and really influences us and in how we perform, how we write. 
we don't really have any Tagalog songs at the moment, but at, at least we get that influence of, you know, the sound and how it makes you feel, the grooves. And it, they're just different, man. Yeah. Those guys, wow, they're legends. Is that something you're going to play around with, like adding Tagalog to your music? I mean, we're people have asked us many times. It's We're, we're open to it, definitely open to it. Miggy loves to write in Tagalog as well. I know he has written. Oh, yeah? Yeah, yeah, he does. He's He's good, man. He's good. He can... He can keep up some verses and some really cool stuff, cool lyrics. So right now it's just more of yeah, more of like what makes sense for our body of work or or yeah. if we're gonna You don't wanna out. force it either, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think we're still growing right now with like with what we're writing. So I think eventually when we decide, okay, I think we're ready for for that Tagalog song. Yeah, man. Yeah. Well, for sure, for sure. It's somewhere down the line. But you guys um after all those gigs and yeah, you know, I I remember actually trying to get you one time for a, an Enderin event. Yeah. And I was like, this is like when you guys started. Uh, and I saw your rate. I was like, oh wow. Yeah, that's not bad. You know, <laughs> like um that that's a Alabang price, you know. <laughs> but uh it's uh and that was the start of your career. So obviously it probably is a lot more sustainable, although not now, obviously. Yeah. But you know, was it something that you guys really thought that, okay, this could be a main source of income for us? Or was it always sort of like a side hustle? Kind of, what was your mindset with that? Well, we we always knew that somehow, at least as BSN, as basically Saturday night, like it just, it couldn't just be that. But we also believe that music music can can still bring bring an income so for example we agree that okay if you're gonna if we're gonna do music like we can do other projects like we said guys like there's no need like we're not tied to bsn okay like you can do you can collab with other artists you can do your own stuff like we always had that agreement because yeah we're like yeah if you're going to live the life of of musician you there's that hustle element right um, yeah. Aside from that, we also we always and continuously encourage and supported each other. Like, yeah, work work on other stuff, other stuff you're passionate about. If you're running another business or you're entrepreneuring around, or maybe you know you're doing other, you're, maybe you have a day job because actually, yeah, one of us has a day job, yeah. and then you know running businesses and stuff. So we had that mindset, na BSN as a loan. Man, if something happens, whoa, amazing, right? If if it can be the main thing, but but as a band, you know, we can explore other stuff, whether it's music or or other things that we like. Yeah, yeah, I think that's important because then you don't want to set like the expectation of you know we're a band, and if you if you play with them, then you're not part of our band anymore, and all yeah. that. Like, you, you watch all the movies where like bands break up and stuff. Like you guys really seem to have it. Uh, you know, you're close knit family yeah. um in fact i was watching like I, I like all the rock movies of the recent days like bohemian rhapsody and um well rocket man yeah but have you seen um the dirt on netflix no i haven't seen the dirt have you it. but you know of uh motley crew yeah man yeah yeah so yeah, yeah they're, they're this band like in the 80s right and they're like hard rock but what's nice about their hard rock was you know it was like borderline punk rock and metal but also like regular rock and it was nice because you could still hear the lyrics but it was intense you know you had that 
uh, the singer Vince Neil who could really belt it out as well. But you could hear what he was saying, you know. Yeah. And that movie, you have to watch it. It's fantastic. It's a, the director is a director from Jackass. Oh, I um, see. And he, he obviously wanted to prove to the world, you know, I can make a serious movie too. <laughs> you know, and he lived in that era. He lived in the eighties uh, in LA, so he saw everything that was happening, and he really captured the era. But yeah, even with that movie, like you see how egos get involved and, you know, the the roles and the band, who's writing this and that. Um, but it's really nice to see you guys very close knit and, you know, still, still jamming. Yeah, man. It's just the brotherhood, man. We're grateful talaga that, yeah, super grateful that we understand each other. And uh, we grew up together. Most of us, we have some new members, but we're just like, like Arvin, we're just like, dude, you're like, it's like we knew you since ever. So parang, yeah. we're just all, yeah, we're tight. We're tight. And we uh, we understand each other, yeah. I mean, it doesn't mean that we have been in conflict, of course. Yeah, it's happened. The drama really is always there. But yeah. as long as we work on understanding and then, yeah, we'll yeah. communicate. Hash it out. Yeah, that's it. But man. I feel like you guys are the type of friends where you could just tell Tell them what you feel. You yeah. Know, like, say what's on your mind. Super. Like, my dad always told me, like, when you're doing well, business, but you guys, anything creative, I think, applies to. Yeah. You can work with your friends. Like, and a lot of people say, don't work with your friends. Yeah. If, what if, if something bad happens, the the relationship will be ruined, you know? But he was saying, my dad was telling me, like, you just have to choose the friends so you can just be like, yo, dude, what the heck? Yeah. Like, what, what what's up with this right now? You yeah. know, you have that candor, that open yeah. uh, feedback. Yep, yep. That's pretty great. Um, you guys really took off though when Wonderland happened, right? Whoa, yeah. Can you take me back, like walk me through that Wonderland experience? Wow, yeah. So Wonderland, wow. We were it was it started in a Saturday night jam session. And we had been fans of the music festival for a while already because I think we had gone the last like, so this is 2017. I went 15, 16, 17. So I went like three years in a row. And, you know, my buddies were also going because it's a, it was a fun. It was a fun festival. You get to see local acts and international acts. So, and people would come to hang out. So I remember being with Miggy in Wonderland 2017. And we were just like, hey, man, maybe we can play there next year. So, and then this was, so the band was already jamming. But we did. Mm -hmm. We hadn't had our first gig yet, so we were just jamming. Like, imagine if we play here next year. So, fast forward, jamming, jamming, and we started having our gigs and everything. And then Wonderland released that they were doing their competition again. They do it yearly, and it starts off with submission of a an entry video, and and then some process, some competition happens with some voting, and then a live battle. So we went through the whole process. At first, I was just like, yeah, what, what the heck? Let's just go for it, you know? Let's just, yeah. And then... Did you guys, like, know that, oh, we got this? Was there, uh, was there a certain point where you're like, oh, we got this? Was it from the get-go or was it really, was it tough competition? It was tough competition. They were really good musicians, really good bands. And some of them are good friends right now. So, yeah, shout out to those guys because they pushed us because... We were the underdogs in a sense that we had the lowest following. So we were the mm. newest band and the lowest following. 
and then we were like checking out our scouting or competition we're like oh wow these guys have been around you know they already have a following they already already have songs on spotify we didn't even have songs yet at that time until that's why we kind of like oh we gotta release something that's how kind of cam love was also you know put out because that was kind of in in in, in at the same time that wonderland happened the whole competition so yeah it was it it was like we got this in a sense that we're gonna have fun and we're gonna show them who we are because we're just like we're just these guys who hang out and and like to jam out and we just wanted to like show up so we had that confidence but at the same time when we came there we're like whoa like these bands are really good too but but boogie crew man boogie crew gave us the confidence because they came all the way so i think our gig was in somewhere in ortigas dude so man they came all the way and for the underdogs to have the least fans we had the most in attendance for the battle oh wow the live battle it was insane they were so loud and we were just like wow. so ecstatic and so excited to play and there to it just... is again the boogie crew again i know and we were just like guys this is just like the lab but we're in a battle and our friends were there we're just like oh it was so surreal so it was so much fun playing in that battle and yeah, yeah we... it's like you had a home court advantage with the you know when you play yeah that home crowd yeah, exactly. really is important and it wasn't our home area it was like the north man we're like from the south yeah. so we we're so grateful to yeah it was like you went to a road game but you had more home fans, yeah. fans. we were so <laughs> lucky dude super lucky so yeah we we played the we played the battle we won and we were just like whoa this is it we're playing wonderland next year and and the actual concert was phenomenal right was phenomenal man it was amazing it was just you couldn't believe it we got to play side by side with like fkj i mean oh wow yeah we got to see it we saw him backstage saw daniel's we met daniel caesar you know oh wow yeah oh. yeah we met four of spades that was a good lineup yeah, ben and ben four of spades oh wow it was just uh, our first experience also of being in that kind of environment it was just really inspiring more than anything yeah very inspiring it really put you guys on the map you know, put us on the um, map. Yeah. I think outside of the boogie crew, it probably put you guys on the map a little bit more. Um, but yeah, that's fantastic, man. Yeah, thank I can't you. Can't believe that uh, it's been so long since that Wonderland. I can't believe <laughs> it. Yeah, Wonderland 2018. Yeah, honestly, it's what? Oh man, four four years ago, three years ago, three years ago, three and a half, yeah, three, years three and ago. a half. Wild, wild. It's been long. Yeah. yeah. So who who are some of the drummers that you have Percy been inspired by was it Phil Collins was it Ringo John Bonham Miles Teller you know which which one <laughs> which are the few that you really you know adopted the style from and made yeah, your yeah. own yeah really that's a really hard question because I have a lot but if I were to pick or rather pinpoint just like some key guys you know just Key meaning like without them, I probably wouldn't be drumming, like that kind of thing. Mm. So I'd start off with, um, of course, my family, you know, my cousin and my tito, those guys, my OG idols. They're the ones that I grew, really grew up watching. And whoa, those guys got me on the sticks and the kit. But aside from them, OPM legends, um, drummer of Bamboo, his name is Vic Mercado. That guy was just insane. Um, mm -hmm. really like that guy. And then when I transitioned into metal, 
I shouted him out earlier. Drummer of Slipknot. Whoa, Joey Jordison. That guy got me hooked to metal and got really into it. And when Great I, name too. Yeah, I know Joey. Yeah, no, good. <laughs> Joey J. Yeah, yeah. But aside from that, when I transitioned more into like the groove, playing pocket, playing jazz and blues, I'd like to think there's this guy, Bernard Purdy. So he's actually one of the legends. Yes. Like I think he's the one of the most recorded drummers in the world. Or rather the most recorded. I think he holds the title. He just he's been on so many albums of so many big names and he has he was the guy to really like if you look at his videos on youtube he's he's like he was one of the guys who were who developed and adapted the style of making your drums at sing mm. he would make it sing and people would people could watch him and just him and the drums and not you wouldn't need like an, a band because because you can really feel the kid singing and all of that. And I think that his playing really helped me understand, oh, wow, the drum is also an instrument. You know, Because for the law, like my biggest misinterpretation of the drums before is, yeah, it provides the beat. There, there's no notes, mm-hmm. right? You play guitar, you play piano, there are notes. But in fact, he was saying like, if you listen to the drums, they do have notes. There is, there is a mm-hmm. tone. There's a tone. You'll hear the tone of the snare or the kick. And then they can sing. You put them together and they can sing. So I was just so more than more than like, yeah, more than his physical legendary status. It's the philosophical approach to it that for me really got me like boom. I'm I got this is for me my whole life. <laughs> Cause like, you know, he, he gave life to the, the art of playing drums. He gave it more life rather. So yeah. yeah. And the drummer is usually the one who, you know. You're furthest from the crowd. Nah. You're usually in, it's usually the guys who, you know, people, the fans don't really think about as much. Right? Yeah. It, it's great, you know, that there are those type of people like John Bonham. Another you know, guy. Yes, is also yes. I cannot forget. Way, oh, you know that YouTube channel, Polyphonic? Yes. Yes. Yeah. Super great YouTube channel. If you're into music, check it out. They really break it, break yeah. down as well. There's a video about John Bonham and they were talking about how he matches like the beat with the guitarist, yes. which, is, which wasn't normal back then. Yeah, right? not normal. Usually it's the drums and the basses or like something else. Yeah. But yeah, he was just so creative and like his approach to rock drumming, that's what changed it all. His approach to rock yeah. drumming was just so different and so unique. And yeah, how I cannot forget John Bonham is also one of those guys. So yeah, that guy. And his solos, like... Oh my God, the Moby Dick, um, that song. If you haven't heard it, check it out. And that it's just the longest drum solo I've ever heard. It's just, ah. It just keeps on going. And you're yeah. just like, when is this going to end? But yeah. also, like, I can't believe this is still going. Yep, yep. And then they hit you with that. Yeah, they bring it. I was just like, oh, the first time I heard that, I was like, wow, yep. that was probably the best drum solo I've ever heard. Nuts. It's like the song was meant for John Bonham to solo. It's like, we're going to write yeah. a song for you and then just solo the shit out of it. And then we'll come back and end yeah. it. <laughs> like, I think Ringo only had one solo like, in the yeah. entire Beatles. I think it was like an Abbey Road um, you know, in that sort of um, medley. Yeah, he has that yeah, one, one drum solo. 
fantastic solo, but I was like, wow, that was Ringo's only chance of, uh, you know, showing what he's got. Yeah. But yeah, those guys, man, like when they go into the solos and just the focus of maintaining that tempo, because like you said, you have to serve the song. It takes a lot of um, focus. And yeah. you guys, I know too, like when you're in a band, you really get into that flow state. Yeah. You know, and, and you're you're a big advocate. Oh, man. <laughs> flow state. Huge, right? So huge. can you explain to the audience, um, you know, your definition of flow and what it's all about, first of all? All right, all right. Awesome how we got the flow. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> um, flow. I, well, flow has been a big part of my life yeah and and i'm still trying to understand it now but more recently so i ever since i started to get into flow practices different flow practices drumming being one of them and fitness as well and mindful movement and even meditation and breathing and all of that i just wanted to understand what it really was so i had to i had to research and i bought a book it's called uh, Flow. <laughs> so it's about, <laughs> yeah, funny, right? So it's, That's the one with the German guy, right? Yeah. The, the super long name so, as an author. Yeah. Yeah. So I got it over here. I just want to show it. There you go. You guys should just. Damn, he's got it right there at his yeah, pocket. Yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I bought it because I knew that I had to just get the grasp and understanding of it because I was like, I've been practicing this. I'm preaching this for a long time. I really need to get down to it. So. Flow, according to this guy, so his name is uh, Mihai Cheek Sent Mihai. He's a uh, son. Oh, dude, that was oh, beautiful. I know, I know. It's such a hard name to say. It's but hard. Dude, it's hard, man. It's so hard to say. But the audience, please Google the name and and dude. play back five seconds. And yeah. Say it. Can you say it again? Mihai Cheek Sent Mihai. It's hard. It's um, hard to spell even. So just <laughs> yeah. just search science of flow and you'll find it or psychology of flow. So this guy gave it gave it a psychological uh, meaning, which which to me made a lot of sense, and I was really able to to cling on to that and kind of like I live by that. So to him, flow is flow is essentially a state where you are fully immersed, and time is distorted most of the time, and you are just completely immersed, immersed. in what you're doing, right? And and he claims that. Or he argues rather that they're they're kind of like these these things that that need to be satisfied in a sense. For example, like you're doing something, you you can't your challenge and skills have to be balanced. So mm-hmm. because when your challenge is too high but your skills are too low for that challenge, you might start getting anxious. And if your challenge is too easy but your skills are really high, like you're super galing, then you start getting bored. So for him, sense. for him, there's this balance of those challenging skills. Usually there's a clear goal in what you're doing. So it's a state of mind when you're doing something and there's a clear goal, there's feedback, there's a balance of challenge and skills and you're completely immersed. So those are kind of like the main key points. No? And it's a state, meaning you can be in flow, you can be out of flow. And he argues that most of the time, most people in the world are out of flow because the world is a natural disorder. And that's normal. It's just how it is. Even our minds. When we're idle, we start getting worried. We start thinking, what's next? What's tomorrow? What am I going to eat later? I wonder what happened to yeah. him or to her, right? Like, it's just the parang the normal. He argues that this is the normal disorder of, of the mind. And 
because of that, you can most of the time people are out of flow. But when people are in flow, he found that they are at the happiest. And he argues this because um, he's a World War II survivor and he witnessed a lot of people in his life just go through adversity after World War II. And, you know, they went through a lot of challenges, a lot of really traumatic stuff. And most of them could not get back from it. They just could not. But the people that he saw who were getting back up and recovering, they were getting into flow activities, no matter what. So there are activities that 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 help you get into flow. And I'm sure we can already start thinking of a lot of them. In fact, this conversation is a flow driver because I believe it. And That's true. It's already 9.42. Like time is flying by and yeah. I'm, we're having a great time, you know. So it's stuff like that. So um, this Hungarian psychologist with the, the very difficult name, he just says that this is such an important science or practice, practice yeah. even a way of life, philosophy, because yeah. it can just help you find happiness. The optimal experience that people go through in a flow state, that's where people are most happy. That's what he says. So I agree with that. That's a definition I live by. And I can attest that those are my happiest times. I agree. And it's so hard to be in the flow. I think maybe nowadays compared to before because of all the notifications, distractions, complexities of life, and now the pandemic. Like There's so many things that your brain will just sort of jump to and cause you to not be immersed in the moment even like your job maybe you know just so many of but how how do you like you personally are, are there any ways that you sort of get yourself into a flow state right. easily you know yeah right because it is a muscle that you build over definitely, time as well definitely, right yeah so interesting enough we we just had this flow immersion in zambales and when I talked, so I spoke to Angelica. Angelica's my partner. Hey, hey, dear, saying hi to her. <laughs> when we spoke about What's up, Angelica, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when we spoke about our goal for the immersion, it was like, okay, what we're gonna do here is we're gonna help people get more flow in their lives, and how are we gonna do that? So we had we kind of developed like four pillars, and we we said that find flow through movement, through nature, through breathing, and through conversation. So in no particular order, wow. none, none. They don't come in any particular order. They can be interchanged or whatever. Um, some most of the time, not everything's present, especially nature. Nowadays, you know, not everybody is in nature, right? So yeah. um, we said that because those are really big flow drivers, as we've experienced, as what Chick sent me. I would say in his book, and as what we saw unfold during our immersion. So movement. There are many types of movement that can get you in flow, but not all can get you in flow. And I speak because I have tried so many kinds of movement. And for as long as you put mindfulness into it and intention, it can get you in flow. So, But yeah. there are movements that might be easier, that that will be easier in, in doing that because you're forced to use the, the your brain. You're forced to think while moving. So back in right. the because you need that challenge, yeah, too. exactly. A bit of the challenge and skill you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, yeah. So back in the day, you know, I used to be very much into like killer, intense workouts, man. And I have right. no hate against them. I I I enjoyed those, but 
I may have been doing sense, senseless reps, reps that I wasn't thinking about, reps that I would just yeah. like, I just want to like, you know, like punish my body for what I ate and all of that stuff. So in contrast to that, when I do animal flow or rope flow, my brain is always, I got to be sharp because like I'm making these quick decisions and all of that because I want to know what am I going to do next? What am I going to do next? So there's an element of play into it actually. So play yeah is a very good flow driver when it comes to movement. So, you know, that's that's for movement. And then nature... That makes sense. Of course, nature, when you're within nature, you just can't help but appreciate uh, the little things, right? Especially now. So when you're on a hike, when you're on a trek, or even when you're on the beach, right? Like, even the most addicted person to the cell phone, if you see a beautiful sunset... You'll take a picture, but yeah. you got to put that down and you just got to look eventually, yeah. right? You just got to be like, wow, this is beautiful. And perhaps for that moment, you're in flow. So nature can really help you because your reverence towards nature is something bigger than you, something that's always been there, you know, something yeah. that's like so powerful, so beautiful, full of energy that can really help you appreciate and be in the moment. So that's nature. And then conversation because we believe that we were putting this, you know, we had 10 participants, so we told them, all right, guys, get to know each other. Make cuento. Um, what's, what are you all doing? How are you all feeling? Like, that's the kind of environment we're going to promote. So a culture of just, we're just going to talk. And if you don't feel like talking, it's all right. Let's just hang out. And conversation can really drive flow because it can be like, like a jam, like you're jamming with someone. Like, yeah. like now we're exchanging ideas, we're exchanging, you know, vibes and energy. So in that sense, man, in that sense, you're thinking about, you know, that you're getting into flow. And last but not the least is breathing. So breath work, I put as the last because I just want to put a bit more emphasis in it because this can really drive the other three. Because as what I told mm. people in, in our immersion, Every time you feel like you're out of flow, something is distracting you, the most accessible thing is your breath. And hands down, you can access it anytime. And we gave them certain exercises that can kind of help help them just get in flow. Some couple of breathing exercises. So uh, we highlighted that. And then during the whole immersion, we were doing different kinds of breath work. And then... Yeah, man, it was just so nice to see people get in flow in their own way. Yeah, we weren't. It's so interesting that uh, you have introduced the philosophy of flow as well within your your programs, yeah. and, and your workouts. You know, I think that's that's a big factor. You know, otherwise, you know, you go to a gym for what? Yeah, to you know get some biceps. <laughs> and, but you're adding a whole philosophy class to it yeah. as well. So I think that's a lot of added value. Um, for the sessions that you conduct. And just so people know, um, as you mentioned before, you tried a lot of different physical activities. And when I first met you, you were huge. You know, like you were just <laughs> massive, you know. So what was it that made you switch from that sort of bodybuilder, yeah, you know, yeah. really heavy lifting uh, CrossFit <laughs> stuff to animal flow. All right, dope, dope. So, okay, background. So, I was really into heavy lifting, you know, bodybuilding, powerlifting. And 
for me, it was just, it helped me deal with a lot of emotions, teenage emotions and, and a lot of stuff that I went through. But I banged up my body, man. I, I, I got hurt. I got hurt. And um, I... What did, what, are you, what did you hurt? I hurt my shoulder, my knee often. Those two, I hurt them a lot. I would get ten, tendinitis, tendon issues, ligament issues. And then what did it for me was a lower back issue. So I would drive. Uh, yeah, I got it. I got it from deadlifts, and I would drive, and my left, my left leg would start getting numb, and I was like, okay, this this is not something is wrong. I was like this, and I was I think I was what I was 23, 22 at that time. I'm like I can't. I'm so young. Yeah. I'm so young. Too young to yeah. This Why am I feeling yeah. this way? And um, I love the sport so much. I I. I ret- retired. I, I was just an amateur. I didn't really go pro, but I stopped doing powerlifting. I stopped doing bodybuilding and whatever. And I still respect the sport and all the athletes who go through the hardships, but my body couldn't take it anymore. And it was showing showing signs. I had to listen to it. So mm-hmm. what made me shift was I was very lucky that Angelica, being my partner, she started getting interested also in in different types of movement. Because she wasn't really into that whole gym thing, you know. I'd try to take her. Yeah. She's like, nah, I'm not. This isn't for me. She'd go and read a book in the corner, you know. <laughs> no, the lifting wasn't for her. Even like the cardio machines. It just was boring. Everything was boring for her. And yeah, um, we got. I got super grateful because when I started feeling injured, she kind of helped me, you know, get up and like, let's try other stuff. Like, let's try other movements. And it might... It might help you because she knew how big of a deal fitness was to me and like working mm-hmm. out. So luckily, UFC gym opened near our home. Oh, nice. And we were like, oh, cool. Martial arts gym. Why don't we enroll? We can try out, you know, on top of our head, boxing, uh, Muay Thai, Jiu-Jitsu, whatever, right? Let's just try it out. And we really thanked that gym because we started, that started exposing us to alternative movements, you know, and body mm-hmm. weight movements and then we met a really cool, we met lots of cool coaches. They start introducing us to like, okay, guys, to warm up, we're going to crawl like bears. Boom, boom, boom. Or we're going to walk like a duck. We're going to do some, I uh, know, yeah. some um, crocodile crocodile crawls, some spider. I'm like, mm-hmm. like what, are, what is this? Now you're coming, coming from that squat, bench, deadlift, bicep curls back. Yeah. And I'm like, suddenly we're going to the ground and we're playing. I was like, we're playing. Yeah. Like, what is this? But I'm getting a workout and it actually, it feels good. And then I started parang, I started feeling better in my body, you know, from, from being banged up, from being injured and be, but you're still getting a full on workout. Too. Yeah. That's the yeah. thing. You're still building strength. Yeah. Yeah. And then, yeah. you know, and at the same time, so that was happening to me simultaneously, Angelica from being a certified couch potato, that's what she calls herself. <laughs> She was really enjoying it too. And she started, um, you know, she started seeing her own gains, her own progress, her own growth in, in the world of fitness. And she was like, wow, I could never imagine to love movement this much. So it from there, it, you know, got targeted. Instagram ads, animal flow. Yeah. We're just like, what? Animal flow? We're like, what is this? It's like the stuff we do in the gym. So yeah. checked out their website. We bought their DVD. 
And then we tried to learn DVD pa. DVD kasi all their workshops back in the day um, abroad. So wala pa dito. So bought yeah. the DVD. We tried to learn it. We're like, wow, this is just, this is hard. This is so difficult. Like, what is this? It's like from, from so Animal Flow, from, uh, from a first timer's point of view, it looks like you mixed up calisthenics with like contemporary dancing or break dance. Parang yeah. it's just like, what? Capoeira. Yeah, capoeira na may yoga na, na parang you're, you're yeah. like, what? Like, this is insane. There's some yoga poses. Yeah, but- yeah. So we were just like, okay, we need to understand this more. So we emailed Animal Flow and they're like, oh, guess what? We're coming in like two, three months. We're gonna have a workshop in Manila. We're like, oh, oh perfect. Wow. <laughs> so we're like, okay. So, and that's how our fitness journey started because when we Googled, uh, when we asked them, okay, how can we learn more? They were like, oh, take our workshop. Oh, oh, but to take our workshop, you actually, you, you need to be a, a fitness professional. So we're like, oh, I looked at Angelica, I was like, oh, we're, we're, we're nowhere near that. You know, like what? So that's when... We got the couch potato certificate. Yeah, we got that. And, <laughs> and the, the whole drummer life, you know, I was I was yeah. drumming a lot. I was gigging. That was that was the life then, you know, gigging all the time. But suddenly we were just like, okay, wait, wait a sec. Well, we might be able to do something here. We both felt like we had a certain calling, you know, me represent representing the injured athlete life and her representing the couch potatoes. So we felt like, I think we can do something here. So that's when we pursued... Um, a certificate in fitness, that's what uh, they would call it in the industry where you're a certified personal trainer. So we did that. It was like uh, a one-year study of worth of studying of like online modules. And we became a personal trainer and eventually an animal flow instructor. So it was really cool how it came together, really. It was really unexpected, out of the blue. We were just yeah. playing. We were just playing. Really, and then this happened. Yeah, that's crazy, man. Um, why do you think Animal Flow has been so compelling to a lot of people globally? Yeah, so the practice of Animal Flow, the reason why number one, it's so compelling. Reason why number one is because it's so accessible. So you don't need any tool, you don't need any equipment. We use, we usually say the tool is our body, and it's the only tool that that you need for the practice. And what's also very cool about it is the practice is adjustable according to what you do. So that's what I really mm-hmm. like. So coming from my athletic background, I still don't let go of that. I like intense workouts. I still like to get a bit of that, you know, that breathless feeling, the heart pumping, heart rate, yeah. heart rate up, carbon levels high, lactate levels. You're just like, oh, explosive stuff. So what's really cool is our mentors in Animal Flow taught us like you can adjust this per person. If you're working with athletes, you can make this athletic based. If you're working with people who need to just move, you can make it a more yeah. beginner fundamental kind of course. Or the best part was the rehab aspect of it. Mm, um, it was right. so key. We met we met an instructor who's in the Philippines, by the way. So we met an instructor who combines his rehab work. He's a therapist with animal flow. So that's another aspect of it. That's crazy. Because you can really, you know, you can help people feel better in their bodies yeah. with the movements. And you just have a better time at therapy. I was in, I, I tore my ACL in high school. So I was like in therapy for seven months and it was so boring, you know, but like if you add a little bit of element of play yeah. and all that, I, I think that's a, that's a good move. Yeah. And doesn't it also help with like postural 
correction? Absolutely. Postural correction. Because a lot of the moves are stuff that, you know, like us now we're seated. So we may be hunched a little bit, but a lot of it is like yeah. getting you upright with your shoulders down. Just really correcting your posture and getting you stronger in those postures. So, you know, it has all of that. And yeah. what click what even did it more for us was the flow activity, you know, animal flow. It's a f- big flow driver because the main practice, yeah. it gives you kind of like this web, a web of moves. You have this mm-hmm. go and flow. So it's like, wow. It's like the ape. Yeah, we call it, there, there's the ABC. So the ape, beast, and crab, yeah. which you can like ABC, ACB, yeah. BCA. Like you can do all of that. You can manipulate, you can switch around. And then... All our mentors, like they don't stop innovating, so they keep creating new moves, new transitions. It's just, it's wild. Yeah. They're making this whole library of movements, and people start paying attention to the nuances, the details, the hand placement, the foot placement. And then to top it all off, the community is just so supportive. You can literally go to any country in the world and you can just type in yeah. any animal flow instructor here, and they would be willing to meet up with you and like do a flow with you and just like host you it's just that's so awesome. cool man like it's really I cool. think that's also one of the advantages to flow um and I think that's sort of how well the founder Mike Fitch right he he he's treating it like an educational company yeah. almost you know right so he's just trying to get a lot of people certified and they're spreading the word out there but what's interesting is no physical gyms you know like and I think that's part of how they've been able to grow like some Usually like Pilates, you have like a Pilates place that you go to. But this was really meant to be, you're at your home, you're at the beach, you're you're at the farm, wherever you can do it. Or a different country, like you just said. And meet up with like-minded flowers and just, you know, play. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Mike Fitch is a genius. It's a very unique thing about Animal Flow. Yes, yes. And he had the same problem as you. The founder of Animal Flow sort of had the same issue with you, right? Where you were... He was just banged up, and dude, he looks buff as hell. And he went, he he went through, I'm sure, a lot of rigorous stuff growing up. But yeah, he just went like same problem. And it's not really talked about a lot because you know when you're trying to get into fitness, you're gonna do squats or you bench press and these sort of movements where you don't do it ever again. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, so it makes sense. I remember the first time I stumbled upon. Um, well, Ido Portal. Yeah. I, like, I don't know. If, is that is that considered animal flow as well? So, or is it just a different type of movement? Yeah. So eventually, you know, even Mike Fitch will say, eventually the lines are gonna blur. They're already starting to blur, you know. But Ido Portal is just a little bit more unique because uh, for him, he calls it more parang movement culture. Um, and and what mm. what he does is it's a bit more of a capoeira uh, influence. There's a heavy of the capoeira influence and parkour. But he's also added, yeah, parang his own different, ano narene, his own different influences, and he yes, didn't, yes. he didn't really brand it as, as like, oh, uh, Ido flow or Ido portal flow. Like for him, it's like, yeah, come, come see me here. Uh, I think he's from Israel, so come see me here and let's, let's move. Parang movement culture. Mm. Like you can. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a retreat. Yeah, almost, yeah, yeah. Right? You join, yeah, you join his program. You kind of stay with him for a while, or, or like you stay in a place nearby. So. 
it's not like yeah like it's not like a brand or anything but now i think they opened up recently but you can do some online training and stuff which is really cool okay really really cool so it's a bit different but i would say that they're still very much connected and they influence each other because um yeah. they're still they both have a very big on that flow aspect and natural body movements so yeah I, I wish I knew about flow like while I was still playing basketball because the way that it strengthens your body improves flexibility and mobility. Um, I think, and also for recovery, like you said, it's just a phenomenal way to do like, well, active rest in a way, yeah. you know, but also you're, you're training your body to move differently. Cause I feel like, you know, look at Dwight Howard or some of those <laughs> NBA players who just have giant ass shoulders. They can't shoot. Yeah. Their arms just Ben Simmons. They they just get stuck up there, you know? Um, so it's really cool to see your like, bodies move creatively in that way. Actually, that's one of the things that Ido Portal, when I was watching one of his videos, it kind of blew my mind where he was like saying, um, you actually have to set limits and rules. You can, you're not just, you know, jumping around like an ape, obviously. Yeah. There has to be rules and set things. And he was giving an example where he was saying like, if you tell someone, like someone's standing right in front of you and you stick your hand out you, and you say, try to avoid my hand, nine times out of 10, they're, they're going to go like that. They're going to move to the side, yeah. right? And move their hip to the side. But he says, okay, now you're not allowed to move your feet. Uh... So what happens? Like as the thing is coming, as the hand's coming to you, you have to like move and get yeah, creative. Yeah, like, like go yeah, around. that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So... The whole idea of adding creativity to workouts, I think, is fresh. It's new. I think that's also why globally it's getting a lot of recognition because, like you said, it's play. It's yeah, fun. Man. Grab it. Uh, the, 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 what do you call this? The essence of play. And um, even in Animal Flow, they taught this to us. Parang. It's just it's scientifically proven. Animal Kingdom, most animals learn their life skills through play. So mm. with that, that element, if you keep that in the workout, it's like the work working out is suddenly becoming a life skill. Cause parang it's just yeah. play. It's just like, yeah, cool, cool. And then the brain yeah, is doing fun. all kinds of things. And suddenly movement is suddenly more of a life skill rather than a chore of a workout. Diba? Parang, oh, I'm gonna work, I'm gonna yeah. exercise. But now it's just like, oh no, it's just how I move. Parang, boom, yeah. So really cool yeah, stuff, that's man. Crazy. Yeah, really, really cool. It's some mind-opening stuff, man. The philosophy of it, of it all. The fact that it gets you into the flow state too, I think that that'll really help with you know mental health, uh, yeah, issues or problems that anybody might be dealing with. Because um, as you said, when you're in that flow state, you're really just in the moment, so you're not bothered about <laughs> your anxieties and all that. Yeah. So the fact that it has that layer. I mean, you can get into flow in basketball. I've gotten into flow in basketball. Definitely, definitely. Gonna, you, you, you have to. Golf, I think, is a really good one yep, too because you're in nature. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. And you need a lot of focus. For sure, for sure. But other sports, I feel like it, it can get a little hard, especially for me, just going to the gym. Yeah. You know, I, that's just, it's very hard for me to do or even, even jogging. Like jogging for me is like, yeah, why jog? You know? Yeah, like, yeah. But it seems like a very interesting um type of workout and the other thing too is the intentionality with your movements right because you really have to be intentional when you move in the flow in, in animal flow um did this habit of practicing intentionality sort of leak into other areas of your life 
Absolutely, man. Absolutely. And actually, I, I want to relate it a little bit to what you said. Like, yeah, because parang, yeah, from the get-go, like when you see a lot of other activities, like there, there are going to be activities that are more flow drivers than than others. And some some right. might be like, yeah, they might just be like flat out boring or 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 they make you miserable, you know. But what I read from this book and and the flow book, parang he he highlighted a lot of events where people even even in like the toughest conditions, man, meaning they were in concentration camps or in prison cells or in isolation, they found flow there, and that it's really cool. It's really cool how how that sense of intentionality it can really be carried to all aspects of life and and it's really going to be up to you and um usually of course it's it's something that you enjoy doing but if it's not if you're in a place where parang it's not exactly that something you enjoy it's like yeah, you, that you don't naturally sort of just get into a flow because i feel like there are things that you just sort of naturally get into a flow yeah, individually. Yeah. Like, I, if I play basketball, nine times out of ten, I'll, I'll yeah. get into a flow state. You know, for you it might be the drumming. Yeah, you know? the drumming, um, the drumming, even running, man. Running can get me in flow. So, so it really depends, no. And and what's cool is I, I just wanna I wanna give a shout out to these guys because they're doing really good work on it. They're called Flow Research Collective. So. I don't know if you've heard mm. them. They're they're a group and they they help people get more flow. So they have a podcast as well. You should check them out. But they they essentially mm. they a lot of their work is is built from the psychology of flow of Cheek Sent Me High. And they really they really value the fact that if you practice flow as much mm. as you can with stuff that you start out first that you like, you can you can really bring that that kind of lifestyle with you and um I, in other areas, other areas. Yeah. and i guess i was and in other areas that you might not like yeah that you might not like and and you know i, I kind of experienced that recently because uh I, I had to be in isolation for a while so i was just like all right i'm gonna be stuck here for two to three weeks you know what can i do so parang this is when i had to start getting creative and the thing that flow does for a person is the more you practice flow, the more the little details is those nuances of an activity can mean to you if you want it to mean something to you. Because um, mm-hmm. essentially, you want to block off uh, distractions. But let's say you're you're doing an activity and then you're like, okay, at this moment, this is important. And therefore, all of its details are important. Then that's when sometimes like, an activity that's not super enjoyable or fun. That's when you can start putting flow into it. If you're able to kind of mm-hmm. see the details, the nuances. And for me, that's what flow really helps you do because it helps you pause. Yeah. It helps you take a step back because your mind is involved. So you need to, you need to think, you need to connect stuff. So when that happens, it's things get a bit better, man. Things are a bit like, more enjoyable no matter what activity and um i've been experimenting with different yeah. stuff like like I, i'm cleaning my room you know like doing different stuff i'm making laba freaking washing yeah mm-hmm. just like random stuff like how can i you have to do this? some novel things not to sort of activate 
Yeah. Like, well, you have to do sort of not novel things, but you know, new things. Yeah. So your brain yeah. also just like, oh, this is new and you can get into that. You can. Those things. Or it might be something that you've been doing. Like, like there are times where I'm doing my day job and I'm not in the flow. And there are other times where I yeah, am. Yeah. You know, and sure. it, it's interesting how, you know, that also leaks to things that you wouldn't necessarily associate with flow, like typing on a computer, yeah. um, you know, or, or, or doing, let's say some of the mundane tasks of work. Yeah. You can get into a flow state with that too. It just takes a lot more focus, I yeah, guess. And yeah. The intention has to be there. You know? Definitely, man. Yeah. But that's, that's fascinating. So you have the animal flow, but then there's also the rope flow. So how was the rope flow invented? Cause it's very cool. It kind of relates to what you do with music because you can play music with it yeah you can at the same time so rope flow so how is it invented yeah rope flow was kind of like the brainchild of uh, one of our mentors and colleagues so his name is Armand Bahakan he's um, the founder of rope flow Philippines and also he was our therapist because so as much as we loved animal flow we did it so much and sometimes with excitement, you know, your form can get a little bit off. So I hurt my wrist um, just because of like doing it a lot and, and learning this move that I wasn't executing so well. No? So I remember going to him. He he runs a gym at, at Commerce Center and at, I think in Pasong Tamo, Focus Athletics. So I we taught animal flow there as well. So we would teach there. And then we'd see him after after our classes and be like, like, hey, hey, Sir Armand, like, could you check out my wrist? Like, you know, it's feeling a little tight. So, and he'd be like, oh, uh, grab this rope and you know, start doing these rotations. I'm like, oh, cool. Mm. So I started doing some wrist movements with the rope, you know, because you gotta rotate the wrists to get the rope moving, and it felt really, really good. And I was like, wow, what do you call this? <laughs> What is this? Isn't the jump rope? Like we're not jump, we're not jumping it. Then he was like, I don't know, rope flow, like like that. So I was like, okay. So this guy invented it. Um, when you ask Almost. him if he invented it, he will say he just founded Rope Flow Philippines, and because okay. we didn't invent the moves, so we pay tri- we yeah. pay tribute to WEC Method. They're from San Diego, California. We pay tribute to them because they were the guys who made the program. And within this program, there's a part called rotational movement training. So it's about rotating the body. And their main argument is most of the day, you're not rotating. You're moving forward mm. and back. You're moving up and down. Most of the gym, most yeah. of the gym movements, squat up and down, bench up and down. It's all in this plane or this plane, up and down, side mm. to side. He was like, you, many people don't realize that the body is meant to rotate. Exactly. Yeah. So you'll see it in like, like in boxing, mix. In everyday life, you're rotating. Yeah, you're, yeah exactly. Yeah. We're walking, man. Mm-hmm. A walking is a rotation, man. So yeah. um, what's really cool is these guys made it a part of the program. So they call it rotational movement training. And it's it was highly dependent on the rope practice. So they were the ones who introduced mm-hmm. that, hey, we got this rope. It's weighted. So it's not your usual jump rope. There's more weight. And the reason for the weight is it aids with your body rotation. Because a jump mm-hmm. rope, as light as it is, you can jump it. Once you skip it, it feels great. But when you start putting in some body movement, it, it's a bit hard to recruit the body because it's so light. So you'll end up just moving the arms like that instead of getting the body rotation. So there was a reason behind the weight of the rope. So we were like, oh, that's very cool. So 
these guys were pushing for rotational movement training, but the type of stuff they would do is they would get a pattern. So let's say one pattern. And they would probably like like workout style, man. Like 40 seconds on, 20 seconds off kind of interval. So you're working out, mm-hmm. right? Or for example, at, uh, te- uh, two minutes of, of movement. Parang ganun. So they did it workout style, training type. What made ours a little bit more unique was our founder was like, okay, why don't we connect these moves? Because they can be connected mm. into a flow. And not only oh, that, okay. not only that, but expand the library. Like, like just keep yeah. on expanding. And what really helped us with that is when a flow arts guy joined our team. So flow arts, the guys who are into fire dancing, poi spinning. Um, oh, yeah. That's, Those guys in Baraka. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And many more. <laughs> Those who spin lights, who fire, and all these crazy tools. The sword swallowing. Yes, yes. So, uh, that's probably not. No, related. no. That's, that's more like, that's more like ma- 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 magic, nata, dude. <laughs> but yeah, a flow arts uh, practitioner and a yogi joined our team. And man, he helped take things to the next level. So um, he helped us expand the library. And essentially now, rope flow has become this thing where you learn the basic patterns, kind of like the ABCs of animal flow. You learn the basics. And the rest is yours. The world is yours. The flow is yours. Yeah. And it's you can develop your own style. So in a way, we're inspired by animal flow in a sense that we're promoting that sense of community, that sense of uniqueness. Like we always tell people, it's your flow, it's your style. Everyone is going to flow yeah. differently. You know, so our founder, together with the rest of the core team, so uh, we call it the core team, um, our team that we work on together, we essentially got ropes, we found ropes, a supplier, we started assembling ropes, and then we started putting it out there. Uh, we made... Like with the Rope Flow Philippines brand. Yeah, we made the, we yeah. made a few graphics, just us really, a few social media pages. And yeah, our founder did most of the, these things and it was just so cool for him because he's not the most techie guy, but we saw him really like just the willingness and eagerness for him to learn because he's so passionate about sharing the rope. Like if you asked him, he'll be like, I just wanted, I just wanted Kasama to do this. Like, that's what he'll say. And then, you know, and we were one of the lucky businesses in the pandemic that, uh, and you know, we got in a way it was, it was a blessing for us because people became open to trying out a different type of workout. And at the same time, we were a blessing to these people because when they were locked up in their homes, we provided us a, a different way for them to move. So, um, you know, we were so happy and we're still so happy to have that. But essentially, that's how Roadflow started. We we saw a lot of practitioners on online who were doing this rotational movement training. But mm-hmm. if if anything, um, it was our founder who was really like, let's let's put this in a flow practice. You know, like it's not just about the patterns. You can flow them. You can expand them. Yeah. You can own them. So, whoa, that's when... So he was the one who really connected the dots. Yeah. yeah. And what's so cool he, is... He saw the yeah, aspect of the flow. He saw it. Just put it together. And for him, it, at the start, it wasn't really even about like the, the flow practice. For him, it was just like, Filipinos love to dance. Like that, that's, that's, <laughs> that's, that's like, you can't deny. We dance. Yeah. He was like... We dance, we sing. We yeah, dance. he was like, you know, 
having the musical element. Yeah, he was like, you know, when Magellan came, he saw he saw a bunch of uh, tribesmen dancing. So that's in our blood. <laughs> yeah. So we were just like, okay, um, that's exactly why we need to push this this flow. Because you know, we wanted people to like, parang you're you're working out, but you're playing it with a, a song that you like, and you're expressing your body movements. So we, in yeah. in a way, we pioneered that. So we don't own any of the movements, and in fact, we always pay tribute to Weck Method. And the the mm-hmm. the biggest way we did that was we joined their certification. So we 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 oh wow nice we we emailed them and we're like we're gonna join your certification. And then when we were there, we were like three from Rope Flow Philippines. So they were like, oh, it's the Rope Flow guys. <laughs> they were kind of like, oh ah, yeah. So we were that's dope. it was so dope. And in a way, we got their approval, you know, because parang to them it's like. Hey, what you guys are doing are are cool. Like this is really cool because yeah. their WEC method is a program, and to, they they do more than ropes. They they work with human movement and different types of training. So for them yeah. to see the whole rope flow movement was really cool. We got their support, we got their approval, and we told them, "Yo, we're always gonna bring back to you because you guys made the patterns. They essentially made the ABCs. They're the ones who made yeah. the patterns." We borrowed the patterns, we expanded this library, and now we have a community of of different local provinces and areas and international. All thanks to our founder, Armand. Wow. He started messaging people like because when when we, when Roblo Philippines was made, different pages started popping up, like like uh Ropeflow mm-hmm. Australia. Rope flow Japan. Really? Yeah. Rope flow Singapore. Wow. Rope flow Argentina. And then Armand would message them, hey guys, like, like, you can use this logo, this font. Like it was so cool. It was like a collaboration. Like wow. if you need help, Very if you need help finding ropes, we will try to send to you. But if you're in Arge- and if you're in Argentina, it's too far. I'm sure you can find ropes there. But I'm gonna, you know, it's it is becoming yeah. We'll trade your beef for our ropes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'd love oh man, I love some of that beef. But yeah, you know, it it, uh, it was it became this whole sense of community. And locally, you know, we have different communities. We have a community in CDO, we have in Pampanga, we have in New Valley and like Quezon City, you know. Wow. There's so many. It really exploded, huh? Like in the pandemic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It really, off. really took off. And we're just, uh, yeah, we're grateful now that people were willing to try it. And at the same time, yeah. um, it helped people. So it's really this like energy exchange. So... We're just like, man, it's so inspiring for us and for them. It's it's so wild. It's so cool. Yeah. And you you were tapping on it earlier, but having that sort of form of expression within a sport, uh, within this workout, why do you think that's so essential? Right. So because, especially of the times, it has become even more essential to kind of just like, Allow the body just to let go, man. And the rope does that for you. And we always tell people, like, get the rope and live in the movement. That's like our line, our tagline. You live in the movement. You literally Mm -hmm. flow state. You're there. Yeah. And regardless of what your style is, whether you want to go for the hard reps and set a timer or you're the type to play a song, whether it's a fast or a slow song, or you're the type to really shake your hips and and really dance it off. Do a split. Yeah, man. It's it's up to you. And and what's so cool with that is the rope is your tool, 
but it's also your partner. So many people who have, you know, they, they're a bit on the introverted, shy type, you know, they're not the type talaga to post, to express, but the rope gives them that confidence. Parang, uy, I can do these patterns. I, I feel good. Yeah. And then they start filming. Uy, I look good. Uh, I This is great, you know. So there's that. There's yeah. that sense of validation. There's that feedback. And at the same time, they're actually moving the body. So it starts to feel good. They're getting that rotation. The spine's moving. The mm-hmm. core is moving. Everything is moving. The shoulders. People start. People with frozen shoulders started telling us, oh, my frozen shoulder is healed because they're repetitively uh-huh. doing this movement thousands yeah. of times without them noticing because they're, they're too busy doing dancing to BTS and the rope, you know, or some <laughs> or something like that, man. Yeah. So it's really cool. And then some people won't even play music, man. They'll just do it in nature and listen to the birds. And then their captions are like just letting go. And you can really tell people are everybody's got their own battles, man. And and the rope yeah. is a sen- is a way for them to just live in the movement. Yeah. Release. Release. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's been so cool to be a witness of the community because we're witnessing so many different flow styles develop, and at the same time, parang yeah. we can see na oh he's going through that or she's going through that or parang ah oh, okay we're there for you. Grabe support talaga yeah. support. You really built a community, like whether it be your boogie crew. It it's just seems like a common theme theme with you and what you do, like your boogie crew. Your animal flow community now your this rope flow community like can you tell me just a little bit about you know building a dedicated community like that man that's that for 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 Ange and I and even for me personally that's really the foundation of everything just that sense of 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 togetherness of a collective vision and just like support for me the support and um yeah. especially now especially now but but the reason why we always did that is, in a sense, I guess, parang we were lucky that what we were doing also attracted like-minded people. So, you know, because mm-hmm. it could have very well been na parang we attracted, you know, bad vibes and like the wrong people and something yeah. could have happened, you know. But it just so happened that like-minded, similar energy, you know, it, it attracted them. And when this community came, organic, as what you pointed out, Kanina, organic, natural, it, you know, it had this, it had this trust, this trust with each other that that we got each other's backs. We're gonna support each other whenever we express, whether it's through music, through movement, or or you know, even just like a just hanging, hanging out, out, a conversation. But yeah. what what you know, a lot of times the conversation isn't isn't easy especially nowadays online stuff most people would prefer live right? live conversations is yeah. is always you know it's still nothing beats it live connection but the movement and the music you know they're able to kind of help people get that sense na parang oh we're together in this and and we'll support each other yeah. so in a way, us providers of that music or or the or the movement for us, our energy exchange is giving back to these guys. You know, like when they hear our music or when they try the different movements that we're preaching, we straight up see a change in mood, a change in like you know, a change in disposition. Yeah. They're suddenly a bit better than they were, and 
for us that that already means a whole lot and even more so that yeah. you know it can kind of become our job so so it it it's it's given a lot of purpose in our work and in what we do yeah. so community has done that for us it's given us that support for each other continuous inspiration Foundation. and purpose more than anything purpose talaga like whenever we meet as yeah. rope flow we're like well, what are we all about it's really the community yeah yeah so yeah oh, that, that actually plays well with the sort of theme of this podcast because you know you're really utilizing what makes you unique whether it be like your interests and in flow uh, your experiences that you've gone through with fitness and you're now using that to create value for other people. I think that's that's really the thrust of this podcast awesome. and, and why you're on. So it's really phenomenal. I, I just want to ask you one last question. I know we're over time. Oh, wow. But it's fine <laughs> because I actually have five hours of recording with this Riverside thing. So for, for one month, might as well make it a little sooner. All right. But I'm having a great time. But this, is, uh, this will be the last question. Um, you are obviously a very multi-talented person right so did you sort of zone in on one craft at a time uh, and try to achieve a certain mastery before moving to the other one or did you sort of develop them simultaneously right that's a great question because that's something that i have been reflecting on recently because <laughs> um i am the type to really when i get into something whoa i'll i will pour my heart out and my effort out and everything so what what tends to happen is I will I will lose some time for the other things and for the longest time man that that frustrated me I was like ah oh, I wish I had twenty five hours in a day and in fact that's there's a book called Twenty Five Hours from one of my fitness idols who just long story short he's just this really hardworking efficient guy who's like parang his whole day is so efficient from start to end. And then he's just the type that talaga like he just wishes there was an extra hour in the day. And that used to be me, man. Like, ah, oh, I, I lack the hours because imagine in a day I want to practice drums, but I also want to do my fitness. I have then I have clients to teach, and then I'm running the business. And I just like I'm like, oh, what am I gonna do? Like, like I have so many crafts to hone, diba? Right? And there's that saying, the jack of all trades, master of none. Will I master will I be none, the master yeah. of none? You know, parang. <laughs> Whoa, and I had to deal with that actually for the past two years. And um, slowly, I'm still understanding it. But more and more, I'm just learning to accept that that there will be times when there's one of the things will call for more attention, call for more priority. And uh, mm -hmm. for example, for me, what happened recently was the fitness. Um, the fitness had to kind of take point for a while and take the lead for a while. And, you know, because the circumstance with the whole pandemic and everything, yeah. music is still there. Definitely. It became much more of a challenge, but I, I guess, I guess just to, just to answer. Yeah. I, it's more really of the situation. And, and a lot of the times I will tend to focus a bit more on one thing and depending on what this. So you kind of come into it like, okay, let's say in a day, do you just like block out time? Like, okay, this day, is it like the whole day I'm going to do flow or is it within the day? It's like, okay, I have my music time and then I have my flow time because it's honestly something I've yeah. been struggling yeah, with as right. well because I have a job, I'm relaunching this podcast and 
other stuff too. So it, it's hard to balance certain things, especially when you like them all. Well, I won't say equally, know, but man. you know, you really have a passion for whatever you're doing. So it's really difficult to master. Is it just a matter of scheduling? Do you think? Yeah, man. Or- so scheduling, yes, it can work, but I remember like just being so tied up and caught up in a schedule that if I don't stick to it, it's like, oh, you know, like I get, yeah, you beat yourself. Yeah, up, man, yeah. I get so amped up, and then that's why that's why I really read flow because that gave me a yeah. new perspective, and and flow literally taught me like what is there for you now at the present. If you maximize it, it's gonna make you super happy. So there are days now when I won't be able to drum, and I'm gonna be okay with that because. Mm-hmm. I did other stuff. I got, maybe I trained more clients. Maybe I spent time teaching rope flow and I spent time teaching breath work to people who are feeling anxiety and depression. So, you know, like for me, it's like, okay, at least I know that the drum take took a back seat, but he's there. I'm going to bring him to the driver, to the passenger seat soon. Like he's got to come back. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, so it's just a matter of who's driving the seat. Like they're all in the car. Yeah, they're all like, in the car. To, I brought. Like they all take turns. Yeah, it's like a road trip. Okay, you drive yeah, for the man. first four hours, and I'll take over. Yeah, and I'm just gonna accept the fact that I'm not gonna be the best drummer in the world, or maybe the best animal flow instructor, or best rope flowist. But I can be the best at that time when I practice yeah. it. So if I practice my drums, you bet it it's going to be my all-in attention. One hour of practice, it's got my full attention. Right. If I'm going to do my flow studies, I will do my flow studies and it's got my full attention. And I figured that if I can just do that with, with everything that I do, it's it's not it doesn't anymore matter yung 10,000 hours to practice something, you know. It's more of now the quality of those hours that I do. Because I could I could spend all day balancing out my schedule, but if I'm doing something and I'm anxious about the next thing I'm gonna do, I'm, right. I'm yeah. or you feel like you're cheating on the other yeah, project. Yeah, you know yeah, but I mean? and like oh I'm doing this now. I've, uh, yeah. I feel like I'm cheating on the other project. Yeah, but see, that's <laughs> gonna make you feel bad, and that might affect that exactly. might affect how you're doing at the present, right? And if you're doing something important, yeah. then sayang what you're doing. It's like. It's also requiring. It's asking for your full attention, your full immersion. So, yeah, I, I it's a new perspective for me. I I'll be honest. Once we come to practice it, it's always the hardest part. So, um, I'm yeah. also learning to balance. But I think I think it will help if like you know we have a lot of stuff that we want to do, but whichever calls for more, if we give it our full attention, full immersion, that's gonna be like. That's gonna make us happy. It's gonna be quality, and then we can. The next time we give time to those guys in the back seat, we'll have that same mindset. Like, oh, I'm gonna give you my full attention now, and then it's gonna right. be great. Yeah, that's like how I do with my family stuff too. Like, you know, like I'm not always with my family now, but when I'm with them, it's like I put my I leave my phone yeah. upstairs. I'm gonna leave it upstairs. Like I'm gonna hang out with my fam. I'm gonna hang like that's talk good. to them. And that's a very rare mindset. Very, you know, yeah. Nowadays, yeah. people are just so hooked on their devices. Yeah. So it's really fascinating to see. And, you know, we're talking about being multi-talented and, you know, the, the anxiety that comes with 
you know, shit, am I going to be a master of none? <laughs> but I think that, you know, you, the fact that you've gone through, and might I say very unique practices as well. I mean, drumming has been there before, but the animal flow and rope flow and, you know, this is what makes you, you. And, you know, that's a very, it's a very interesting combo. And I think, again, you're, you're creating a lot, a lot of value for others and, you know, capturing some of that value as well. Right. So, and you're doing it with purpose and, and flair and yeah, man, it, it's been a really great conversation. I'm sure there are a lot of golden nuggets oh, that the audience can learn from. And you're Mr. Flow, bro. You're Mr. <laughs> flow. It was a great Thank conversation you, with you. It was a great flow session with oh, you. Oh, yeah. That was um, a flow session, man. It's been an hour and 45. Time went by. It was an hour and 45. Wow, dude. <laughs> Thank you for that, man. Thank you. I really appreciate Yo, you. Thank you. I appreciate on. this, too. Thank you, Joey. Individual Collective, man. Much support to you guys. You guys are doing something really cool here, you know, featuring different people, what we think are insights, energy exchange, and just, yeah, the thrust of putting more value in other people's lives, dude. Props to you guys then, man. Yeah. So thank you for having me here. Thank you. And check out five. We have two billboards down there. One is uh, basically Saturday yeah. night, and the other one is... Animal Flow by Fai and Ange. So check where where can they find you? Right. So you can check me out on Instagram. I'm Flow Drummer Fai at Instagram, and then you can also check out BSN Basic Saturday Night on Spotify. Check out our music and check out Animal Flow by Fai and Ange AF by FA on Instagram or on Facebook. And you can join our classes. We teach Animal Flow. We teach Rope Flow as well. And we'd love to have you. It's beginner-friendly. It's open to everyone. Again, we really just want people to try it. Feel the flow. Feel good. Feel good in your bodies. And yeah, living in the movement. Very important. (laughs) There you go. Don't forget to live in the movement, guys. Thank you so much. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Have a great evening. I really, really appreciate it. You too, Joey. Thank you. Thanks, Individual Collective.